As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Every game from now on is pretty much do or die. So I think we got to, you know, figure out what our um, identity is. Um, we got to go back to what we were doing earlier in the season, battling hard, um, you know, getting cheap goals, going to the net, getting pucks on net and, and doing all that. I think we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, and that's why we're struggling right now. But, um, you know, I think we're, we'll be fine. We have a good team. Um, we just got to figure it out real quick and um, we'll be back and ready to play hello welcome to our lads and powers this is scott powers joined by mark lazarus both of the athletic mark good morning good afternoon what do we got going here monday monday afternoon. i believe it I, it's the afternoon scott i know uh, we've lost all sense of time and space but it's still the afternoon it is it is i uh, I, I really had a difficulty with the back-to-back threw me off a little bit with even trying to yesterday writing the story and whether it was saturday or sunday or what whatever day it was it was uh, it always throws me off you know, I, I had a Facebook memory this morning, or it might have been yesterday. Again, time is a flat circle, but it was like I was like from three or four years ago, and I was flying from Boston to Ottawa through DC. I had seventeen hours in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and then I was going from Ottawa from like a six a.m. flight to catch a morning skate somewhere else. Some like ridiculously crazy schedule that used to be normal to me, and I'm thinking to myself, how am I ever going to go back to that? Like I did that for years, and it became normal. And now it's like if I don't get seven and a half hours of sleep minimum, I'm like wasted for the whole day <laughs> because of this. Because I'm just a home person who works from home and sleeps at home and is always home. And uh, it's going to be really interesting next fall, hopefully next fall, when we have to get back on the road again. Yeah, I uh, with, with this baby coming too. I just I am I'm dreading what my next uh, my next stretch here is going to be like, and yeah, and future, and yeah. And, 
I'm excited, well, but timing. I'm also it's good timing. Yeah, I'm also worried. So, um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some hockey. I, I yeah, I don't want to talk too much about the future. Um, let no, let's just talk about uh, being a father of daughters for the next uh, forty five minutes. It'll be more interesting. <laughs> you have to let me know what it's like to be a daughter of uh, or a father of two. Uh, yeah, you're 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 in for um a a treat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the best. Okay. Um. So Blackhawks, they, they win the two against the Panthers. They're probably feeling good about themselves. And then you knew Nashville's playing well. They come into town and they, they sweep the series. And um, it feels like it can be like this, so like, you know, throughout these last 20 games. And, and there, there's so many teams now in this race. There's there's clearly three teams who are, are better than everyone. And, and, and clearly the three playoff teams and that fourth spot's so up for grabs. But um, as good as the Blackhawks were feeling about themselves coming, you know, coming off those Panther wins, they have to uh, they have to be just as disappointed coming off these national losses. Yeah, I mean they're not in the playoffs right now. As we speak right now, they are they are tied in points and points percentage with the Predators, but they're technically in fifth place right now uh, after being pretty comfortably in fourth. And Nashville's one of those teams that we had basically written off and we were talking about you know they're going to be sellers at the trade deadline and they're terrible and it's all falling apart and then they win what six of seven seven of eight something like that and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs it's really columbus and detroit might be the only bad teams in this division and then you've got the middling teams in chicago dallas and nashville uh duking it out for this final spot so uh yeah a lot of those games we saw as maybe potential gimmies down the stretch aren't aren't really gimmies anymore it's going to be a battle I don't even know if Columbus is that far off. I mean, they were they were within a point or so until they lost these last couple of games. I think against Detroit. So, and and Detroit's won some games now too. So, like, I don't feel like there's a gimme for any you know for the Blackhawks in this. These I think they have two games left against the Red Wings. Um, obviously, Carolina coming up, and yeah, I, I, it's, it all feels like it's going to be an uphill battle for them here on out. And um, I, I, I even last night writing the story, like I was torn. Like it, it it's. The storyline so much of this beginning of the season was that, you know, Blackhawks are bad and it's all about the future. And, and obviously they put themselves in this position. And it's like, how much do you focus on the playoff run? And it's certainly what, you know, what they're talking about right now. But it's also, it's, um, it's, it still seems so much on the bigger picture. Like I'm torn, like how much to make a deal this playoff spot. I mean, if they, like, they certainly don't want to collapse here. Um, but if, you know, Kirby Doc's back and, and, you know, like it's so much still about the developmental aspect of the season and, and you know, the future beyond, uh, you know, whatever happens these 20 games. Well, I think it goes hand in hand. Like If they collapse here, if they just completely fall apart, that's that's a big blow to your development because confidence when you're when you're a 19, 20, 21 year old player in the NHL, confidence is everything. You go play with confidence, and you're going to be developing. If you're scared, or you're worried, or you're panicking, uh, you take us. You take big steps back, and uh, it's important that they contend here. They, they've set they've set a bar. It's not a very high bar, but they have set a bar here that the playoffs are 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 the goal now. That wasn't the goal originally, but it's halfway point of the season. It became clear that that was a goal, and if they piss that away, like if they miss the playoffs by a couple of points, all right, well you can still get something out of the season. But if they completely tumble down the standings and fall apart here, which I don't anticipate them doing for the record, um, it would be a big blow. They have to contend now. They have to compete for that playoff spot because that's where the development's going to come from. You know, Jeremy Collins talks a lot about how it's easier to teach when when you're winning, when there's something to play for. Um, and you know, you're going to get more out of every practice. If you're in a playoff race, you're going to get more out of every game, every shift, every big play, every 50, 50 battle, you're going to get more out of that. If it means something. So right now, these games matter. They matter in the short term and they matter in the long term. They really go hand in hand. And you listen to Alex to in that opening clip we had, and you know, he's dead on. 
this team doesn't look like the team from a month ago. That 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 March schedule really seemed to beat them down, where they don't have that relentlessness that we keep hearing so much about. They're not all playing like Brandon Hayes. They're taking shifts off, they're taking periods off, and they're paying the price for it. This isn't a team with the talent to coast. And they're coasting a little too often, and it's uh, and it's resulting in losses. They have to kind of recapture that energy they had the first you know six weeks or so of the season. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is like how much is realistic for them able to do that. You like you have so many young players, you have so many guys going through, uh, you know, obviously even like a unique NHL season where it's so compact, and you know they're trying to figure out the NHL while they're kind of dealing with those ebbs and flows. And um, I mean, Ian Mitchell is a great example where he he struggled there. I mean, he he's looked as good as he looked early on. You know, he looked like a definitive NHL player, and then he hit some of those walls. And you know, they sent him down to Rockford, and he played you know played a lot of minutes down for the Ice Hogs. Uh, uh, in two losses this weekend, and I'm sure they're hoping to get him back in. But it, it feels like there's still a lot of these ups and downs. And, um, you know, even Hankel yesterday, he gets caught, caught flat-footed a little bit watching the puck, and, and Yossi goes in and, and scores that uh, scores that winning goal. Well, there's, there's still lessons being learned, and, and you're dealing with, uh, you know, as, as much as Nashville has underperformed up until now, you're still dealing with a veteran team, and you're dealing with players who've been through this before. Like, I... I feel like these games and these losses are even still learning experiences where, um, you know, I, I, and some of it's got probably beyond the coaching staff to guide them through this too. Like these are all the new experiences and even guys for like the Brinkett and Strom. I mean, these, they haven't played in many playoff games and, and big games too. So I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I think the Brinkett coming through with those two goals yesterday, like it, it showed that he, he rose in a big moment, but um uh, it still feels like there's such a learning curve with a lot of these guys, and especially the defense too. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I know Bodan comes in, and, and and everyone's been really high on Bodan, and and you can see the off- offensive upside, but he, you know, he's still he's still shaking the defensive zone. Like he he had trouble getting the puck out yesterday. One of his turnovers led to a later to a goal. Like there there's still a learning curve for some of these young players, and I'm I'm curious, you know, how just how realistic it is that for them to get over this hump with uh, with these big games. Well, that's why Jeremy Colton's your coach, right? Because the way he works with young players, the way he keeps them confident and can, can and, you know communicates with them, this is going to be his big test. Is can he get these guys back into that mindset, especially guys who are hitting a rookie wall? I mean, we always talk about the rookie wall, but this year in particular, they're not. You know, these guys are used to playing two, three games a week, and and like on the weekends. You know, especially the college kids like Ian Mitchell, maybe a couple of games a week with five practices in between. They're playing every other day, and they're playing really good teams every other day. It's exhausting, and it's a challenge. And it's up to Jeremy Collin to keep their heads in the game here. It's up to Jeremy Collin to fix this defensive mess. How often do we see all five Blackhawks in one corner of the ice? How often do we see guys left alone in the slot, you know, uh, unguarded for, for passes from behind the net because both defensemen are behind the goal line? How often do we see all these mental breakdowns that the Blackhawks are having? We weren't seeing them as, as often earlier in the year, and we're starting to see them creep in now. It's on Jeremy Colton and the coaching staff to fix that, to stop the bleeding there, because the t- Defense, which was really bad last year and was only okay to kind of bad early in the season, is starting to be really bad again. And if that's the case, they're going to lose and they're not going to make the playoffs here. So it's up to the coaching staff to to fix these guys mentally and then fix the team structurally because it's starting to break down out there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Something I wrote last night is that this is what a lot of people, especially the analytics community, is expecting from the Blackhawks. I mean, they have, they have the worst expected goals for percentage in the league. Um, like you see them propped up by the power play, by the goaltending, like this, this collapse, if they're going to make it, it's, I, you know, like they're going to have to surprise some people because I think, you know, there's a lot of people anticipating them to drop off. And, um, you know, you look at Dom's, uh, Dom's projections and it's been a while, you know, like they, even when they were, you know, firmly in that playoff spot, he still was projecting them to come out of it. So like something has to change. And, and I, I, I was trying to, and something I was going to write about yesterday, you know, as as that game was going on, there didn't seem to be much to write about. Was I was going to write about how I feel like when you watch the season, like you you can project certain players, and like they had so many question marks that enter the season about goaltender and you know Kurashev and Suter and and down the line, and 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 I, I and I look at it and I think a lot of those issues have been answered. Like you know, Lincoln looks like the guy, and you know if you had Kurashev and Hagel and. Um, you know, Suter and, and go down the line. Like, it feels like in a year from now, in, especially you had Taves, like, you, you have a lineup that can compete, but I, I still wonder about this defense. Like, I don't, I, I haven't, you know, like, Duncan Key's probably playing too many minutes. You know, Zadorovs has ups and downs. Um, you know, DeHaan's probably a suitable, you know, second pairing, you know, four or five defenseman, but I, I you know, I haven't, and, and it's still a young defenseman, but I'm not convinced that, you know, maybe, you know, Boquiz seems like he's taking a step, but I'm not convinced that they have enough defensively yet. Like, they have the mix that's going to take them to the next level because we're just not seeing enough signs yet of those numbers improving the defense. Uh, I mean, it's not all in defenseman, but I, I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know what that group, I still have my questions. Yeah, and they're still struggling with, you know, the structure of this system, and that's, that's that's on the coaching staff. I mean, you, this is year three. I know they're all been weird years, but the fact is, you still got guys out of place far too often. They're they're overthinking. They're not reacting instantly. They're not working on instinct, and you're having too many lapses that you just shouldn't be seeing from NHL defensemen. And it's not just the kids. Calvin DeHaan a couple times out of position. That that shouldn't happen. Duncan Keith, yeah, he's playing probably too much, and he's on the power play and everything else. But you know, his analytics are atrocious this season, and you know. You need to figure out what it is you have, what you can do, how to maximize this particular group of personnel, because this is what you're going to have. You've got some other guys in the in the in the system. You mentioned Alex Vlasic. You wrote about last week. Uh, there's a, there's a, there are other people in the system, but it's going to be some semblance of what you have now. You have to make it work for this group of players, and if this system isn't going to work for them, you might have to rethink it. And that's a big step for a coaching staff to have to make. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if it's that dire. I mean, they did just beat Florida twice in a row, although those were lopsided games that were won with goaltending. The, the fact of the matter is, right now, it's not good enough. And like you said, I'm not sure it's going to get good enough to become that elite team Jeremy Carlton's always talking about. Uh, Carolina comes in town, so it's, it's you know, they have today off from practice, but it's, it's going to be a test again here. Like, it's... And that's part of the difficulty is, like, you, one, you don't get a lot of practice days. I mean, they'll have the morning skate in the game, so there's not a lot of preparation. Then it's then it's another big game. You know, they don't have a lot of games left against that, that top tier 
Um, I think there's one more game against Tampa and, and obviously this Carolina series. But it's I, I think that's the challenge too is that like it's it's adjusting and teaching, like it becomes harder without the games. Like it's 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 basically taking what happened last night. Here here's some clips, we'll get on the ice for these these twenty minutes and um, and then you're back at it. So like like there's definitely challenges even like making those in season adjustments this year. Um I don't with 20 games left. Where do you what what's how do you see this playing out? Like I I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they completely fade. Like I um at the same time, you know, maybe Doc finds himself and and you know some of the stuff starts clicking like it, and I guess we haven't even talked a whole lot about Kirby Doc. You you were there on Saturday and you know, I was there last night for for a second game and 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 you see that you see the moments where he's influencing the game like he's he's certainly getting played a lot of minutes already. He had a, you know, a costly turnover yesterday, but um, it's you see the moments where he's affecting the game with his size and the things he can do, and um, I, I, like you expect that to get better with time only, you know. Yeah, I mean, as for the team as a whole, it, it, it I, I want to see what happens these next few weeks. After these two Carolina games, you got what? You got a, a one off against Nashville, then you got Dallas, Dallas, Columbus, Columbus, Detroit, Detroit, and Nashville again. I'd like to see how they come to that. Nashville, for whatever reason, is a bad matchup for the Hawks. It's been a bad matchup for them since the 2017 playoffs. They never look good against Nashville. Uh, it's just that 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 muck it up, you know, clog up the neutral zone structure that Nashville has just does not play into the Blackhawks' hands at all. So uh, they're a better matchup against Dallas. Columbus, they've done well against this year. Detroit, they've owned this year. Let me see how they come through that. If they come through that with a bunch of points, as they should, then they're going to be right into the final stretch here, and they're going to have some Nashville games. They got, I think it's three in a row against Nashville at the end of the month, end of April, will be really telling because that could be you know potentially for that playoff spot. Um, but, yeah, I do think Kirby Doc plays a big, big role in this. Everything kind of falls into place better now that Doc's in the lineup. All of a sudden, you have that little bit of depth down the center because you got Suter, you got um, you know uh, Kurashev or Strom or, or Carpenter or Camp, whoever you want to be playing in that bottom six. they got to get Camp off that second line. That's just not working you got to put someone with some offensive ability in there. Um, but, you know, Suter Poor David Camp hit pick. the uh, – <laughs> Rene's helmet yesterday. Like, he, oh, he's just he's, he's he's cursed right now. Like, it's he, – he It's funny. Score. He had he, he had as many goals as Kirby Doc did last year. They both had eight goals. So, uh, you know, he, he, he has – it's just not happening for him this year. And he no. can't be centering that Kubalik line. It's just not working. You have to give Kubalik more to work with. He's too good. So if you put Suter down there because you got Doc with Kane, then all of a sudden you got something you can work with. But uh, with, with Doc, you know, he has every single tool you want, except he hasn't shown the ability to finish yet. And we see it. We saw it already on his second shift this year. He goes flying through the neutral zone, absolutely turns a Predators defenseman inside out, and then doesn't score. And that happened a lot last year too. As you know, as as his star started to rise, the goals still really weren't coming because he doesn't finish. Uh, you got to assume it's going to come. He just turned 20. Let's give the kid some time. I think he's going to be a great player. But if he really wants to be one of those, like, face of the franchise transcendent stars, he needs to start finishing. He needs to start putting that puck in. He can't be just a playmaker because he has the ability to put himself in the right position to get those scoring chances. He's got a great knack around the net. He's got a nose for the puck. He's got to start finishing because the Blackhawks are not scoring. They're too reliant. It's Kane and Debrinket and, and sometimes Kubalik and, you know, Suter's getting hot right now. They don't have any scoring depth. And if Kirby Doc can come in there and start putting the puck in the net, everything's going to start looking a lot better on this team. So uh, you hate to say it, that a lot rides on him, but a lot rides on the 20-year-old kid who just missed three months with a broken wrist because he is the trade deadline acquisition. There's not some big flashy move coming. 
If anything, they're going to lose a couple of pieces at the trade deadline. Kirby Doc's the guy who has to turn this around. It was interesting that Colleton started yesterday with, he started with Yanmark, Doc, and Kane. Um, that didn't work. And then eventually he, you know, he, he dock it, Doc got a little bit of a ride with Debrinket and Kane. And then ultimately I, he ended up with, with, the Brinkett, Suter, and Kane, and, and I believe it was that line that was on the ice for both of um, both of the Brinkett's goals. Some of it's just still tinkering, and I, I think the challenge with with Camp is that he wants someone to be more of um, he wants a bit of a shutdown line, you know. Like it's it's uh, he wants well one one he doesn't have a lot of guys who can win faceoff, so I think that's part of it too. Is that Camp's Camp's been the most consistent faceoff. Uh, player this year and and so like there's there's just balancing like how much the losing faceoffs how much the defensive draws can you give other players and um yeah I, I think Carlton is still trying to figure out this lineup but it, putting but putting you know if Doc can win some faceoffs you know putting him between uh, if you're gonna keep Suter with with Debrinket and Kane which I I think making you know makes sense to keep Debrinket and Kane together still um you know I guess last night Strom was out of the mix too so that you know that's that's part of the equation too but um you know putting putting Doc between Camp and Camp or between Kubalik and Hagel like that might be an idea yeah yeah he's got to be in your top six I mean I know you want to ease him in but he wound up playing 20 minutes that first night and looked great and he played a lot of minutes last night too on a back-to-back just throw him out there he's 20 he's got the energy he's been skating for basically months now he's got all of his conditioning put him out there in a top six role he is absolutely one of your two best centers on this team. I mean, there's no question about that with Taves out. Um, he, he, you know, we know he works. Like They're excited about the idea of him being Kane center for a long time. Kane wants that. I wrote about that earlier this year that they were expecting that. Um, if, you, if, if you like what Suter's doing with Dabrinkit and Kane, which I can see that, then yeah, you got to put Doc on that second line. You can't have him in some third-line role with Strom on his wing. No, put him with playmakers. Put him with goal scorers. Maximize him. You know, don't spread out the the, the the there's not enough talent in this lineup to spread out the way they might have in 2014 or something like that. Put your best players, load up that top six, and go get some goals because they're not scoring any goals. Uh, you know, especially against a team like Nashville, you, you got to load up, and you need guys like Dabrinkit to make those one man efforts where he just creates something out of nothing. That's what you need right now. You just need goals to be scored. So put Doc in a position to succeed, and that means putting him either with Kane or with Kubalik. Yeah, and part of it, they need the power play to click. I mean, last night the power play was another tough night. Like you need, uh, that's it doesn't what, that's, feel like they're a top three power play, right? Like every no, time like they have the puck, it doesn't look good. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, it was not rolling and clicking last night. And yeah, I don't know what's what's off there. Like I, I it, it just it's. I don't know if it's bulk was running the power play there or just nothing's just it doesn't. It's funny going back and when I when I was especially when I was doing that Kane story about the the goals he had scored like watching the Blackhawks in the power play like back in the day like it just like there was a stretch there they were bad under Quinville too but like early on like it just it moved the the puck moved they moved like they they scored on the rush on the power play like they were just so dangerous and I just I I don't see dangerous all the time you know like it's just it doesn't for as much skill that's out there it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's moving fast or 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 yeah, just executing properly. Well, they can't even get in the zone half the time. I mean, they're they're just they're just chasing the puck into their own end all the time. Then when they do set up, yeah, they're not moving their feet. They're standing around. They're waiting for Patrick Kane to do something on the half wall. Uh, it, it's amazing to me that this is the third most effective power play in the league because there's been very few stretches outside the opening weeks where they've really looked good. 
Like they score, like when they do score, it's like at the last second, like, you know, someone makes a play or get a big bounce. They're not scoring traditional power play goals where they're just, you know, slinging the puck around the offensive zone and completely dominating play and opening guys up for shooting lanes. They're just kind of getting goals. It's weird. And, you know, look, like these next two games against Carolina, the Hawks have the fifth worst penalty kill in the league and Carolina's got the number one power play. They're over 30%. So they're going to have to score some power play goals because you know Carolina's going to get their power play goals. So, you know, whatever, whatever happened against Nashville, can't become a trend. They have to, you know, get back to that. You know, they're still the third number three power play in the league, but they got to start acting like it. They got to start looking like it because it looks like a bad power play right now. I, I don't know about you, but I'm preparing for nothing to happen at this trade deadline. Like it's just been, it's, it seems like there's been so much silence, and I, I don't know how much we're going to keep writing about it, though. Yeah, we will be. We will be. So. Uh, well, we have a fun, we have a tr- fun trade story coming out tomorrow. So everyone's uh, everyone's trade proposals, and there were plenty of them, and um, some better than others. But it was it, it was fun to go through them and, and kind of assess uh, what, what options the Blackhawks actually had. And um, so we'll have the uh, the who says no uh, trade piece tomorrow. It's funny because the trade deadline is such an exciting, fun time when you're a really good team. Like, like, oh, we're going to go, what are we going to, we're going to get Taylor Hall? We're going to get Jack Eichel? What are we going to add here? And the Blackhawks fans are like, are we going to get Louis Erickson's contract? Are we going to get Andrew Ladd's contract? <laughs> it's such a different perspective being on this get side. A fourth like, round how pick can we... for Soderbergh? Yeah! How are we going to weaponize cap space? It's it's not quite as exciting as it was when they were looking for Antoine Vermette and uh, guys like that back in the day. <laughs> They, they cover the NBA though, like it just like there were more trades that happened oh the other day with the Bulls that like that happened. Yeah, aside from the Panarin Jarmelson day, like it was, uh, I I don't remember any like that. You know, can you imagine just covering the NBA in general? Just first of all, you got to understand the salary cap, which is the single most complicated thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Second of all, you got to uh, you know the players have all the power, and there's you know complete overhauls of every roster every year and a half. You got the trade deadline is absolute insanity. It just seems exhausting. I remember, you know, you, you, uh, Nick Friedel back when he was covering the Bulls. We, I was doing a radio show, and I once asked him, like, what's it like covering the Bulls? And this was with all the Derrick Rose drama, and every day was something new. And he just goes, I'm tired, Laz. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a different kind of uh, grind, I suppose. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, we have, uh, I think we have one voicemail. Is that right? Hey, uh, Laz Powers. Um, last night's game, Kirby Doc obviously isn't going to be the second coming. I mean, this isn't Tays coming back in the lineup. He's still 19, not going to turn everything around right away. I do not like the Predators. Uh, they just always seem to stick it in our faces. It's as soon as they lost that, got swept the year after they won 50 games. And it's been downhill ever since then. And I point to the Predators. I think their style of play just seems to stick it to the Blackhawks. And Carlton can say about all the grinding and everything he wants, but I'd really like for him to make an adjustment, at least on the breakout or, or somewhere along the line, respond to the pressure that Nashville likes to put on you. Uh, you know, Carlton's still young, still learning. 
I, I, I felt like he got out coached also, and I think he does need to owe up to that. All right. Thanks, guys. Turnabout's fair play, right? For how many years did the Blackhawks torture the Predators? You know, going back to the 2010 playoffs, the 2015 playoffs, and everyone in between. But yeah, um, can I just say, I fucking hate watching Nashville Predators games. I hate it. It's awful to watch. Like, I, I understand why they do it, why John Hines coached. Why do the Predators always, it's Barry Trotz, and it's Peter Laviolette, and it's John Hines. Why doesn't David Poyle like hockey? He must hate <laughs> hockey. He makes them play this awful, boring, just ugly brand of 1990s devil's hockey it's just it's like the modern neutral zone trap and it works you can't blame them it works it's effective but the second the predators have a lead you know you are not going to be entertained for the rest of the game it's i mean how many times do they ice the puck even when they're even when the blackhawks are at the, the goalie pulled they're just chucking the puck down the ice just seven seconds at a time salting a game away it is <laughs> horrible hockey to watch and I used to like going to Nashville games. I love being in Nashville. I like the I like the crowd there. I like the fans there. I like everything about it, except for the brand of hockey is fucking dog shit. Yes, and then that's our uh, <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by Travel to Nashville. Uh, <laughs> we have some emails. I just too. I just I just can't stand it, man. It's just brutal. <laughs> Uh, this is from Brendan Diggins. I have noticed Duncan Keith has awful advanced stats. His Gar and War are near the bottom, or are near or at the bottom of the team this season. Why do you think that is? I, have a, I haven't observed him being terrible this season, although he was not very good in the last game against Tampa. Another question, what do you believe are the best advanced stats to measure a defenseman's performance? Um, it, it's funny because I, I do, I mean, I look at I look at all those advanced numbers, and, and Duncan Keith's numbers are among the worst on the Blackhawks, and even you know among the worst among the defensemen in the NHL. And it, it's it's the eye test against the analytics, right? It's just it's like when you watch Duncan Keith play for twenty five minutes, like it's like oh, you notice like the the great the great aspects of it. Um, and and I, I was actually going through last week. I think I was going through kind of seeing what pairings have worked and what haven't, and. Um, it definitely feels like there's combinations that work with this team and there aren't. And just like the same way that like, it's, it's, it's interesting last year, Mod and Cuckoo, you know, were, were so good. And then, um, you know, both those players struggled at least early in the season um, on their new teams, you know, when, when they were separated. So sometimes it's about combinations. I feel like Keith, um, you know, like he's often asked to play with a younger defenseman and, and that hasn't, uh, that hasn't always worked, you know, like there, there's some of that going on too. Um, but the advanced numbers that I, I look at, I mean, I go on the evolving hockey and I'll look at, uh, you know, the expected numbers and the actual numbers. And, um, you know, um, I, I think it's about pairings, about, um, you know, also about where their zone starts are and all, and all those things. I, I think I think there's so many different things that you need you need to use to, to look at the defenseman. Yeah, I mean, you know, Keith is being asked to carry a kid now for years. It seems like almost every 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 game he's got an Ian Mitchell or an Adam Boquist or, uh, you know, he's got the Nick Bodan or something. He, he's, he's being asked to kind of shepherd these kids into the system and that requires him to do a little bit too much. And then he winds up paying for it. I think, you know, when you pair him with a Connor Murphy or someone like that, that's when he's at his best. And I think that's going to be the case for just about anybody, but somebody has got to shepherd these kids along. So why wouldn't it be Duncan Keith? I think you have to accept that, you know, he's going to make mistakes and he's going to have bad numbers because, he is playing one and a half defenseman spots while some kid is coming in and just learning the the, the half a role. 
So he's doing a little too much. It, it's costing him. And he's also, he's 37 years old. He's, you know, he's still a great skater. He's still, a, you know, a very, very good, savvy player. But he's not what he was. He's not Norris-caliber Duncan Keith. That's inevitable when you're in your late 30s. Um, I, I do think that the eye test is more favorable to him than the analytics. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that he's playing with kids. He's out there being asked to cover for these guys. And when you have to cover for these guys, whether it's Yoki Haru or Boquist or Mitchell or whoever it is, you know, your numbers are going to suffer a little bit. Also, the Blackhawks are bad defensively. So everyone's going to have bad numbers defensively. We can't, you know, there are very few players in this team who look good analytically because as a five-man unit, they're not very good. And, and part of it's the ice time, too. I mean, honestly, he, he shouldn't be playing as much as he is anymore. Like, it just, it's, and I, I, th- I think Carlton's, he's in a bind because he trusts Keith and he's a guy who can skate that much. And, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, for him to still be eating, leading the ice time at 37, like it's, there's some challenges to that too, you know, especially in a season like this. I know that uh, Duncan Keith takes his, you know, his fitness seriously and his, you know, recuperation, all those different things, but it's, uh, it's still got to be challenging, you know, like it just, at some point, the Blackhawks need to find other top pair defensemen and, and probably, um, you know, relieve Keith of some of those duties. And, 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 and they're obviously trying that, but it's still, it's still a work in progress. Uh, question from Josh from Hawaii. Is it time we start talking about Adam Boquist more? Lately, in my eyes, he's really stepped up his game, uh, really stepped his game up both defensively and offensively. Is there analytics back to back that up? And what do you guys think of his play so far this season? I, I haven't looked up the numbers lately, but certainly he, since he came back from COVID, he's been a different player. He's been much more confident, it seems, in his own end defensively where he's you know really making up play breaking plays he's steering guys to the outside he still makes his mistakes he's still a kid out there but he's he is clearly more confident in his own end and that's allowing him to be more confident and more aggressive in the offensive end and the points are coming so uh he is still not a finished product by any stretch but you know after a really dicey time in the in the Edmonton bubble and then a slow start to this season we're finally starting to see some of that progression that we were looking to see out of him this year I think yeah uh, next question from John Whiteneck. My question is centered around the chemistry of the team as players like Doc and maybe even Taves, whom we all hoped might rejoin the team sometime during the season, jump back into the lineup, whereas it's great to have Kirby back. Could our last two underwhelming performances be attributed to, to blending him uh, new line combinations as well as the team counting on such players providing that instant spark on both sides, both ends of the ice? Kirby, Doc, yeah. locker room, cancer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I mean, I saw more positives and negatives than, than Doc, and I, I know that he was on the ice for a few of those goals yesterday. But uh, aside from one, the one turnover, I didn't see any you know glaring, glaring errors. And he, you know, he's, um, you know, I, I especially paid attention. You know, I, I early yesterday, you know, it seemed like he was affecting plays in the, you know, on the forecheck, and and, he, and he's creating a bit. And you know, like early on, the Blackhawks weren't that good, and Doc, Doc felt like he was the one player stepping up. So. I think easing him in, you know, and I'm probably not easing him in and playing him 20 minutes, but it's going to take a minute to get up the speed. Um, but he, he certainly, he can obviously do things, you know, that a lot of these players in this roster can't do. So I, uh, I, you know, I feel like that was more of a team effort these last two games, why they were beaten than, than an individual. And, um, you know, it's, it's better to have Doc in the Blackhawks lineup than out. And let's not forget, it's not like the Hawks were tearing it up in the in the month before this either. They they did not do well through their Florida and uh, you know deep South swings, 
Um, and then even when the even the two game sweep against Florida, that was mostly goaltending. They were outplayed for significant chunks of those two games. So uh, no, Doc's return is, is is only a plus. And there's always going to be some you know kerjiggering of the uh, lineup when you have someone new come in. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think it makes the team better top to bottom, and uh, eventually that'll play out. Uh, and our last question is from Tanner Lehman. Uh, it seems as though the Hawks are are coming back to earth lately. I guess being the worst team in the league five on five will do that to you. With the PK being awful, generating nothing offensively 5-on-5, five five, what is the culprit of that? Keith has also been absolutely brutally past 10 or so games. Uh, Kelvin DeHaan is clearly physically incapable of playing anymore as well. <laughs> that's, that's a little harsh. <laughs> um, like, that's, and, like, that's like if you listen to the last 30 minutes of this show and distilled it to its most evil essence that 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 question would be like <laughs> the would would be like if if you were the most negative person in the world and you just listened to us that's the that's the answer you'd come up with i think that's a little harsh yeah yeah i, I mean this team has its flaws i mean it, it, there's no there's no hiding that it just um uh, consistency is an issue it, it certainly struggled against better teams um it, I don't. I mean, Dahan's metrics are actually pretty good. I, I know that he had a rough night last night. Where, every, like, he seems like the one guy who, who's had the worst luck, just pucks bouncing off him and then ending up in the Blackhawks net. You know, the second second goal is certainly his fault, where he he doesn't have position. But, um, you know, again, he's playing with he played with Bodan last night, and I and I actually saw you know more issues with Bodan in the defensive zone and getting the puck out than Dahan. So, like, I, I still think there's a balance of having those right combinations and putting. I mean, they put. Mitchell with the Han too, just the you know, they give him some balance early on too. So um I think some of that has to play into it as well. Like I um yeah, Dehan's made some errors, but overall I think he's been pretty solid this year. It's um and he can fit into the picture. It's just it, the Blackhawks need more top pairing defensemen, you know? Like I think they have a lot of guys who can fit into a winning team. It's just it's having those elite defensemen and um it's even Murphy, you know, like I think Murphy can be a top pairing guy. It just, it depends on who he's paired with and how the rest of the, the pairings work. So, um, yeah, it, it, I, I think a lot of what he says has, has some truth to it. And, and this is what they're getting when, you know, if they're not producing on the power play and the goalie's not stealing, stealing a win, like you need to produce five on five and they haven't done that enough this year. And, um, Keith has, has had some tough games, but I feel like we went over that. And, um, so, um, yeah, I think there's there's some truth in what he's saying too. Uh, you can email us at lazandpowers at gmail.com or if you want to give us a voicemail, it's 714 759 4529. That's 714 759 4529. Scott and I got a lot of things in the works. Um, like, as you mentioned, we got our Who Says No piece will be running uh, uh, Tuesday morning. That's always fun. Um, we have some non-deadline stories we're working on too, believe it or not. Um, and there's a lot of games, a lot of big games. They just kind of keep coming. This, this season, this season is as relentless as Brandon Hagel. It's a tagline. Uh, <laughs> and then also, a, uh, here's our cross promo. We have uh, March Madness is here and the Athletics College Basketball Crew brings you the ding you presented by BetMGM. Uh, we'll cover all of the action both on the court and the sportsbook, grabbing insight from the Athletics College basketball writers and picking the brain of BetMGM's top books makers. Uh, the next show is Thursday at noon central on the Daily Ding feed and streaming on the Athletics YouTube channel. You know um, you're a professional broadcaster when you say the words cross-promo. I know. I actually I, I, I hated myself as soon as I said it. So <laughs> I, you, you can, anyway, um, 
Until next week, I'm Mark Lazarus, and that's Scott Powers. This is Lazarus Powers. I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little.